Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. More competition for more. Why is there smoke coming out of your oven, Seymour? Can you get me a fizzy oven? I'm just getting to yoga. Yeah, bitch! And we used to do stand-up on the Late Late Show, right? We all died on our arse on that. It was so funny. After I finished, Gabriel went, Jason Byrne, no relation. Hello and welcome to episode seven of Telebox. Each week we chat to some of Ireland's favourite comedians and discuss all the latest TV news. And this episode is a biggie, isn't it, Jen? It's a huge one. I think we found our biggest TV spot so far this week. Jason Bourne popped in to talk to us. To say he's a TV fan is a bit of an understatement. I think he's a TV encyclopedia. <laughs> so we decided because of that to switch it up a bit. And he, it's hilarious. He just brings us through TV from the 80s right up until now. So he does, yeah. He, he runs up all the shows all the way from the 80s to present day series. And it was a gas conversation with him even before we started recording. I was like, what's your favourite show? And he was just like... Uh, name a show and I'll talk about it because I've seen them all. <laughs> <laughs> and I get what he's saying. It can be hard to pick your favourite show because, you know, different gen- genres. Like you can't compare your favourite comedy show to your favourite true crime or favourite documentary or whatever. So I totally get it. And it actually it tied in quite nicely then with our Teletalks this week because we were asking people their favourite TV hosts. So when he was going through the the decades of TV, there was loads of great telly hosts there as well. There was, yeah, yeah. It's actually tied in really well. And then uh, finally, we're going to be taking a look at ITV's White House Farm true crime series from 2019, which was recently released on Netflix. So it was giving audiences a second chance to get in on the drama. Did somebody say, just be? Now, Jen, do you remember back in the good old days before smartphones, before the internet, the hassle, the effort that would go into trying to get a takeaway? Oh, don't talk to me. You'd be ringing up and you'd be put on hold and you'd be able to hear other people's orders and then you'd be getting food jealousy and you're going, you're doubting your order. Then it'll come and stuff will be missing out of it. <laughs> yeah, and they weren't the good old days. No, they weren't. They weren't. No, it's it's so much more convenient now since Just G came along. Like, quick tap of an app, food delivered straight to the door. I don't think you can get much better. Well, now, Jen... If you think things are convenient now, okay, picture this. You're sitting at home, something yeah. comes over, you, you fancy a treat, maybe even Camille, tie, something something like that, you know, something nice. Yeah. Then 30 minutes later, a drone, a drone delivers it to your gaff. No messing, no traffic jams, just straight clear point A to point B. Literally as the crow flies, you don't only think of like, oh, sure, that's only so long. But no, you have to go in and out of everywhere. No, literally A to B. A drone, Jen. Is this real? 
Or are you, like, have you been watching the Jetsons with the kids again? No, this, uh, honestly, this is real, okay? For our lovely Telebox listeners in Ornmore in County Galway, our fabulous sponsors, Just Eat, have been trialling, this is true, mind-boggling service with Camille, okay? That customers' food can be dropped to their delivery point in just under three minutes. What? That's incredible! Are you serious? I thought we reached like the pinnacle when Spice Bags Force came on the scene, but this is taking things to a new level. Like I know it's just it's it's insane. Okay, now for the city slickers like us out there, make sure not to forget how good we still have it, even if our meals aren't coming out of the sky. Like you know, remember <laughs> how crap it was in the olden days. Yeah, we still have it. We still have it better, I suppose. And you can download the Just Eat app today and choose from hundreds of your favorite local takeaway restaurants delivered straight to your door. Did somebody say Just Eat? Now, for something a little bit different this week, our main chat, we aren't going to be focusing on one show in particular, but instead, we're going to get an absolute education in the history of some of the world's best telly. And who could we ask for a task this big? Ladies and gentlemen, one of Ireland's favourite and most successful comedians, Jason Byrne. Jason, where should we begin with this TV history lesson? I, I suppose we should hit the the 80s and for okay. the, the Saturday night kind of thing when I was a kid. If you imagine there was like uh, the couch there and, and all the kids were on the, were on the floor. We always just sat on the floor watching the telly. And then, yeah, yeah you remember, like, and your mom <laughs> and dad, they'd be up on the couch. Your dad being his favourite seat. And the reason why the kids are on the floor is because you're in a remote control. We used to change the channel for me, Dad. We used to go. We used to have a brick. We used to have <laughs> oh. a brick on our on our VCR player, you know, to rewind the video. Yeah, we yeah. had it was like a the slab off a wall, and we used to leave it on the VCR to rewind it. <laughs> was that was that was that the press down on the on the top of it? Yeah, it we had a br- we had an actual brick. Yeah, so that's a top loader DVD you had there. So they went yeah. off. We had that. And it was brilliant. Actually, those videos were brilliant. Those videos recorders are brilliant. Because whenever you press play or stop or anything, before, even if you press, whenever you press stop, the whole thing would go, work, work, work. Yeah. Nothing. Oh, wow. just keep going mental and nothing's happening. And then a half an hour later, the tape just pops up. But, <laughs> yeah. but in the 80s, yeah, so we're sitting down watching. And so on Saturday nights, right, it was insane. Because... There could be like Morecambe and Wise, Dick Emery, Benny Hill, Not the Nine O'Clock News, The Price is Right, Bullseye, um, Blankety Blank. It's just, it's like, and people go, what's your favorite? I don't know. Like, blank, like Bullseye, right? Okay, Bullseye, because you can have a look at that, right? That was brilliant. That was Jim Bowen. And that was like darts. We had to play darts and you had to get like, it was these mad, the best crack about Bullseye. Well, and even then I remember it was how they were dressed and the mad hairdos and all. They all look mental like. And there was no makeup artist or anything doing them up. They just came from their car straight onto the set. And they would have driven miles from Newcastle or somewhere to get to where they were. But um, I was doing a little, uh, I do a little gig here in the toilet called Jason Burns Jokes and Jackson. People had to guess the game show tunes. And I put on Bullseye because uh, I loved it. And uh, then people were going, you know, there was a serial killer on, on that show. <laughs> it's going, what? Oh, no <laughs> way. Was, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to Google it because I can't remember his name. But a serial killer turned up because they used to never, they didn't vet the contestants then. They just wandered on. Yeah. There was a serial killer on Bullseye. But that was brilliant because the prizes were hilarious. Like, even then, like, you know what I mean? Like a, like a clock or a ceramic tiger 
or a tea set like oh yeah or like the big the big prize could be a yacht and as you say like they're living in manchester in a terrace house like what are they going to be doing or a speed jet there's a few speed jets as well speedboat emma mainly the speedboat there was a speedboat that would come out and this guy with a beer belly and his and his wife and a mad hairdo looking the other way just looking at the electricity in the ceiling going and you've won a speedboat and they're going what and then (laughs) if they won a car the car would come out and now you wouldn't even let those cars on the road. They're so dangerous. I don't even know what they yeah. wear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they used to put, they used to stick lights around the car that, that would make it kind of flash like a star. Do you remember that? Yeah. Because it was a star prize and this piece of shit that probably killed half the family actually got in it. So <laughs> was, there was that. Blankety Blank was brilliant. I loved that. That was like Les Dawson, Terry Wogan and massive stars on that all the time. And then Lily Savage did that when he came up um, afterwards. And you just had to, it was just silly. You just had to guess. It was like uh, he, uh, Terry Wogan would give you a story, the two contestants, and they'd have to, and he'd go, uh, you know, we all went on holiday and it was really, really muddy and uh, we didn't know what to do because um, uh, we lost our wellies, so we had to wear a blank. And then the, there'd be like six celebrities over here, like Kenny Everett, Leo Sayre and all, yeah. yeah. And they just had to fill in the blank and you had to match the blank. It was real basic shit. And then Les Dawson, he hosted it. And then he used to just slag off the prizes and just hate the show. He did a brilliantly real deadpan. He'd go, and now for these ridiculous prizes. And here's some, <laughs> and here's some more of these miserable contestants ruining their weekend. So you go into all of that, right? That was all brilliant. Price is right. Player cards right. Bruce Forsyth. Like you're sitting there on the ground and player cards right. And he takes out, like, there was a line of cards. Did you ever watch the seven? Yeah, no, I remember this. I remember all Bruce. He's like... All- Generation game was great. Player cards, right, was great. And like you say, it was that thing of, it was big Saturday Night TV, like with big stars. It was a big Mm. occasion thing. Maybe I'm just looking back at Rose Tinted Glass, but it felt like it was the big stars giving big quality entertainment. It was though, and it was brilliant fun. And it was like, and if your favourite show was on in the 80s, like in all, you had to leg it home because there was no, obviously, Sky Plus or recording. It's not like you're going, I shall rec- I'll, I'll press rec- the series link and I'll be grand about you're going I gotta yeah. leg it home quick what's going on Hill Street Blues is on it's broken huh? <laughs> Nine, I gotta get in and then if you missed it you missed it there was no replay and there was nothing it was done so yeah so I watched loads of st- I watched everything and um, and then what was on RTE because that's always a good slag well that that's was what I was happy. thinking what was Shice. what was the choice on a Saturday night I'm not even sure I know Twink did a few uh, entertainment shows, and she they did a charades one, but I don't think that was Saturday Night TV, was it? Oh, that was absolute bollocks. Yeah, that thing was was great crack. That was um, that was uh, call my no, not call my bluff. No, it was like a charades game, but it was called something. Twink and all did it. Yeah, I mean, see, or or she, I mean, see, right now you'll get people right. You'll always hear them in a, in a pub. Well, hopefully soon, saying. I'm not paying me, me TV license or TV or shoy, right? And the British, most of them will pay their TV license and they've got great telly because the BBC and all have got loads of money because they pay their license. And the reason <laughs> RT don't have any money is because we don't give them any money. So that's yeah. why they are yeah. sitting there going, why not give it? What? Have you seen Graham Norton? <laughs> you seen the guests of Graham Norton? Yeah, because they're paid a mint. And then they're bleeding going over to the Late Late Show for a hug and 20 major or something. Like, it's just... But anyway. <laughs> but of course now, of course, Sam, the Late Late Show was the big thing then, wasn't it? But my mum and dad didn't watch that. I don't, I don't remember watching that as a kid. I 
I watched it a bit. I think my mom was more of a fan of gay on the radio than oh, yeah. on did the it, late late. She was more dedicated to that because that was her time alone with gay in the kitchen. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think I'd I think women now. liked gay more. Mm. No, gay was like like my dad wouldn't watch. My dad didn't. He just he was so, he was brilliant. My dad he was just such a moan. Like and he didn't like gay born. Do you know what I mean? Sure, once gay born was on the te- on live telly and Mother Teresa's beside him and he called her a good girl. I mean, mother of good God, that's some telly, isn't it? <laughs> good girl yourself sitting there. Now, here she is, Mother Teresa. Good girl, a good girl. Who are you talking to, Luba? And, and I did late late. I was actually I was on it when Gay Burma was on it, and we used to do stand up on the late late show, right? But you never you didn't you didn't sit beside him like Tommy got to sit beside him and Billy Connolly okay. and uh, Brendan O'Carroll, and he wouldn't do that unless you got the pass. With loads of us like Dylan Moore and Rich Hall, Johnny Vegas, me, we all died on our arse on that. It was so funny, like. I went on and after I finished, Gabriel went, Jason Byrne, no relation. <gasps> like he said to me, right? Oh my God. Johnny Vegas was live on telly going, I used to think I was funny till I came on here. And now you people have proven to me that I'll probably never do comedy ever again, right? And then Dylan Moran went on and his famous line was, his opening line Late Late Show was, I haven't seen this much blue rinse since the local denim factory blew up and they're all just staring at them. Like, it's like, Fuck say. So the late lay, the late lay was in, in, I think it was, it wasn't a, do you know what's funny? It, I don't think it wasn't a big Dublin thing. It was all around all the, all the counties all watching the late lay. Yeah. Like, you know, Jen, did you watch the late lay in your house? No. Yeah, my mom might put it on now, like the odd time these days, but like she'd more so just whack on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, you see, that's what you do. <laughs> Telly in the 80s was brilliant because you had no other choice. So we think it was mm. We think it was brilliant. And then the 90s were going, oh, yeah, it was great. Oh, it was much better then. But we were, the choice we have now is off the banana bait. You know what I mean? There is nothing I haven't seen on a screen. But I swear to God, I can't stop watching the serial killers. Like Ted Bundy killing everybody. <laughs> Dexter killing everybody. There's something relaxing about it, though, because I always watch that kind of stuff just before I put my head on the pillow at night. And I'm just like, hmm. That was nice now. Sleep. Is that because you feel safe? Because you're, you're nice and cosy in your bed? I and think not so. Killer gonna get. I'm not going to be taking any lifts. I'm not going to be going anywhere now. Grand. I love it though. Absolutely. But it's a it. nightmare. A nightmare now for serial killers because of social media and cameras everywhere. You can't kill anybody <laughs> anymore. Nightmare. No. <laughs> you used to be able to kill people and throw them in a skip. Sure, by the time you've stabbed them and you have them on your shoulder, you're already all over the internet. That's <laughs> it. Someone's like, recording you. It's all out there. Mother. That's it. God. It's not nothing is the same as the way it used to be. It's gone brutal. Yeah, I know. Kill, <laughs> it used to be kill people so easy. Cause yeah, yeah. So yeah, because I watched the serial killer stuff. And like, so there's a thing called The Ripper, which was about um, uh, uh, Peter Sutcliffe. He was a guy who like basically just murdered loads of women. And like, you're watching the telly screaming at the cops. Because like, oh, that was insane. I saw that one. Already. And like, they've interviewed him nine times. <laughs> oh yes and every, what was it everyone in his work was calling him the ripper as a slag yeah I know but you see then again that was those days and in those days coppers just wanted to get stuff under the carpet and moved on there was no obviously say social media so if they did that nobody knew so it was just like they went uh, he's the ripper is he yeah put him in jail grand next they had loads of cases just building up so but yeah so that and then I mean Morecambe and Moyes was a big thing when I was a kid as well right that was very funny you know what I mean? And any of the two Ronnies, 
and then the Monty Pythons and all. But then when you ran into the 90s, then now you had uh, people like uh, Rowan Atkinson, you know, Mr. Bean and all. Yeah. Because you forget that Mr. Bean was Rowan, is Rowan Atkinson. Like he was, did loads of stuff before that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and sure. He was, wasn't he in all the Black Adder stuff as well? Like obviously completely different to Mr. Bean. <laughs> And Mr. Yeah. Bean is still going strong. Yeah, Mr. Bean was probably just a project he thought he might just give it a bash. Because he's always this sarcastic, mean type of uh, dry, wit personality is Rowan Atkinson when he does all this stuff. And then, of course, you're kicking into Alan Partridge then, which is just the funniest man ever, Steve Coogan. Like, I watched all his stuff. All his Alan Partridge sitcom. If you're, if anybody, if you're listening, well, of course you're listening to this. Alan Partridge, when he's in a motel where he, he's supposed to have his own TV show, but he loses it and he has to go and live in a motel. That is the funniest thing ever. Oh, at kind of the start of the Alan Partridge, when he gets his own show, all that stuff. No, is it's it? the other way, other way around. So he gets his own show on BBC, then he loses his fame and he's thrown into a motel. And it's yes. just about him trying to live in a motel running a shit kind of a radio station. Oh, yeah. And he, ha- so, like, he oh. hangs out with the guy in the petrol station, the Geordie fella. Yeah. What? Mr. Patridge. What? <laughs> Mr. Patridge. That, that fella. And, and then so you have all of them. And then you have, and then Brass Eye was amazing, which was, uh, which was, um, that's Chris Morris. So you see, there was, there was yes. this lot of group in, in the 90s called a day, and it was called a day to day. And it was a spoof news like Sky. Like, have a look at it after this. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, it looks real. It wasn't All there, the actors. I think they did one where they went around to celebrities and they'd have this fake charity or something and they'd get them to do a piece to camera. That was Brass Eye. Yeah. I don't think it could happen now because obviously people are a lot more savvy, but they were doing a, like a fundraiser for... Um, like what was it an elephant that had gotten its own head stuck up its arse so all these celebrities like you know no, really no. seriously oh my god you're right no it was an elephant that got its trunk stuck oh, up its that arse is and they were <laughs> and they had like massive stars going like saying to camera please donate so we can get this trunk out of its arse yeah and like so it, it was an amazing program I told my ma to watch it in the 90s and she went I didn't like that. So what was supposed to be funny? She thought it was real. Okay. It was really <laughs> yeah. bad. They had that and then they had loads of stars. Uh, Chris Morris got them all to talk about cake, which was a massive, uh, it was actually the size of a cake. And he said it was a tablet that kids were taking. They were overdosing <laughs> on cake. And if you want, and Google, and sorry, YouTube after this, he got it into the House of Commons where an MP stands up and goes, we need to address this problem about cake. And <laughs> children are taking cake. And he was like, what the hell? <laughs> so Oh my ridiculous. god. That was brilliant. I mean Glenn Rowe there as well. That was always on, wasn't it? That kind of came and went. The farm is still in Wicklow for some bizarre reason. Yes. You can go and visit. You can still you can go, go and visit. visit, visit. And we were only talking about Glen Rowe. And like the late late show, me and Jen were like, Oh, it wasn't really it wasn't really a big one in our house either. No, my dad <laughs> just went for comedy all the time. Do you know what I mean? He didn't like soaps, he didn't like Carnation Street or anything. We and my ma would have to wait and like if he and, your, and my dad controlled the telly, that was it. Yeah, your dad's there. He's full control of the telly. Nobody else has, and there's no other telly in the gaff. There's this big one, big chunk of mad thing in the middle of the sitting room, and everybody's just waiting. Your dad, my head off to the loo, and if he was going with his paper under his arm, that's when you're able to watch something really cool. <laughs> well, listen, Jason. Thanks, Emil. It's great to talk to a massive TV fan. And uh, Shut up you. No, but it I is mean, honestly Sorry. because. <laughs> Some people, some people fluff it and you're like, they don't watch telly at all. They haven't got the same problem I do. But you do, oh, so God, it's yeah. reassuring for us. I go to sleep with an iPad beside me. <laughs> like, oh, what's wrong with me? 
you know what I mean? No, I'm, not, I'm thinking there's something wrong with me. I think I'm a, I think I'm a tele a teleolic. Is that a real thing? Tele addict, maybe. Teleolic is nice. I like all the addictions. I prefer teleolic. All the addictions. Yeah, it's not too bad. No, but it's a teleolic. It's not a teleolic. But I go for teleolic. I think that's a better word. Teleolic. I know we all have to go, but I did love the show Telly Addicts, which was Oh, that was Noel great Edmonds. with Noel. I, yeah. I used to fancy because Noel you know when I was a look... kid. That's how sad I was. Noel Edmonds? Yeah. When I watched Swap Shop, Noel's House Party, and that other thing where he killed a fella off a crane. It was all really good. Uh, he was great. He, I loved him back in the day. Then Boxer, Noel Box. What? That was good. Listen, Jason, I know, thanks. I know we're, I know we're going, so sorry. <laughs> I have no one to talk to now. You see, you've really nice. I told everybody else just to go away, and now, and now it's like half eight and there's nothing to do. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Date of birth, 15th of the 6th, 85. Make me a We asked you yesterday your date of birth. I give you the wrong date of birth. Are you sure? Hi. Definitely. What is it? I think it's 15th of the 6th, 87 or something. I saw. No, you said 85. Mama, did you give me my passport? Nadine phones home looking for her mislaid passport. Because Alanda, yesterday I was getting an interview done and I give the wrong date of birth. I, I give a date of birth, some, I give a wrong date of birth anyway. So I'm just looking for my passport. While the cameras were not rolling, Nadine finally broke down and confessed to Linda that her real date of birth is the 15th of June, 1985, making her 16. Now, this is the part of the podcast where Emma and I get to hear from our lovely listeners about their opinions on TV questions that we pose to them during the week. From Anton Deck to Tubbs himself, this week we wanted to know what our listeners' favourite TV hosts were. So... What did you get? One that came up, I'd say maybe every third person, was Graeme Norton. Yes. And I think you have to hand it to Graeme in terms of like the consistency of Graeme. Just a he great he talker. is always great. Yeah, he is mm. always great. And I remember even back in the day, me and my mom used to watch his chat show that was on every night on Channel Four. Do you mm. remember that? It was at the Graham Norton show, and it was a bit. It was kind of like a bit risque, and the audience were obviously the audience are still involved now. <clears throat> Sorry, like with the red chair and everything, but they were involved a bit more back then because it was on every night, and we were like, God, how. How does he have the stamina like to keep going? It was just, he was brilliant and he still is. I think what really does affirm that like he doesn't have to work as much these days. And then obviously his guests, the panel are incredible. Like the best of the best gets to sit in the back couch. Like. Yeah. And even the way that they're, you know, I suppose sometimes now there has been episodes where it's been three people from the same movie or whatever and they're you know th- that kind of thing but I think the original premise and you still see it a lot on the show where just all those celebrities on, on the couch together so you can have like Doc Cotton you've probably seen mm. the clips of like Doc Cotton sitting beside Lady Gaga like yeah. the, all that stuff is just 
gold. I think he he's really good at like knowing when to chip in with his little funny remarks, but then sitting back and letting it unfold as well. I don't think there's ever been a bad episode of the Graham Norton show. It's kind of like a cheer system though, isn't it? Like some you'll have the two celebrities in the middle are always quite big the one on the end is nearly just like a little comedian or something just for comic relief and then sometimes they'll yeah and then sometimes they'll have the big massive star will either be there from the start or they'll come in halfway because they're after being on a red carpet or something and then by the end of the show then you have the musician who's after performing sitting like on the edge like falling off the the couch at the end of it but it's it's always just star-studded and like that you said you have the red chair at the end of it it's just a great bit of crack like i couldn't agree with that one more now who did you guess what was your big one so graham norton was the biggest one i think um obviously we have stephen mulhern yes i love him he was a big one now He's very oh. family friendly. I, I wouldn't automatically think of him when it comes to TV presenters. I say like, like he's grand. He's grand. You know, like I'd hire him <gasps> if I was to oh, get it. I love him. I just anytime yeah. like, when I see him, I just think. Now, in fairness, I I don't know if I could see him on a Graham Norton style show. No, I think he, yeah. he is great on like game shows and doing the behind the scenes stuff or the extra show on Britain's Got Talent and all that. But you but see, I, this is the oh. thing. It's the spin-offs. It's like he's pigeonholed into those kind of spin-off shows. I'd love to see him do kind of a, a cheeky late night something or other. I think he'd be hilarious. So far, I feel like I've just seen the exact same thing from him and he's just got that big cheese factor and I just I just think that there's better but I would love to see him in a different kind of setting to see like what else he can because at the moment like I just think he's kind of like I don't know like a generic type of like Mm. extra spin-off show and I know he does catchphrase and he has his own game shows and stuff like that he's just he's a bit too clean cut like I just don't trust him (laughs) or something so if there was a bit of dirt on him, you'd be like, grand, I'm on board. I'd be like, I know, exactly. Yeah, I, I can, that really makes sense. Who else did you have? Davina. Davina came up a good bit. And I kind of had, I suppose, forgotten about her as a presenter since Big Brother had finished. But I suppose yeah. when you think about it, like she was on the TV so much. Like, you know, every, well, for the evictions, but like she... She was on our TV so much. And then she did uh, the million pound drop and all of that. I do really like mm. her. I feel like there's something. My favorite thing that Davina did, and this is probably terrible because it was yonks ago and she's <laughs> moved on now, was the thing she used to do, Street Mate. I think that's what it was called, where she just went out. Oh, my God. And- yeah. Do you remember that? And I just mm. felt like I loved that, like the freeness of her in that. And I think that's probably what I liked about her in Big Brother, because obviously it was scripted, but there was a bit more kind of, uh, oh, like what's going to happen or, you know, something something could happen and she'd have to react naturally. So I think she's great in those kind of things where it's not like heavily scripted and like her natural personality can come out yeah I don't know she's just been on it so long that it's just like it's kind of a bit repetitive with her. like she's grand do you know I wouldn't yeah. necessarily like say you think of the likes of Anton Deck who was another huge 
kind of yeah. duo, duo that came up in my uh, question box. Like, they're fun. Do you know what I mean? They're kind of a bit unpredictable. Whereas I feel like the likes of Davina McCall or Holly Willoughby or anybody in that kind of category, Stephen Mulhern is another one. I just feel like you just, you know what you're going to get. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's, yeah. There's a little bit of crack there, but not a lot of crack. Obviously, I have um, people who have talk shows. So you have the likes of... Jonathan Ross and Alan Carr and like they're all a good bit of crack. Tommy Tiernan now is his show's doing great. Yeah, Tommy Tiernan came up a good bit, and I saw as well. Now that's been ex- that's been extended again, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it's a fantastic show. Yeah, it's a it's a great show, like because it's so unscripted and you get to know the guests so much more than what you would have. Yeah, well, it's a, it's probably a lot of, uh, and I've heard some people talk about this as well that it's a lot of pressure on. Uh, the guests because if he doesn't know who you are you kind of have to bring forward what's your reason for being there so you nearly have to get into all the interest and stuff about you straight away yeah you really need to sell yourself especially like it's Tommy Tiernan do you know what I mean like you want to impress him you don't want him kind of going oh (laughs) Oh, well yeah that's it like if you you've only got 15 minutes and he if he doesn't know who you are there's no point holding back on He'll figure it out or, you know, he's going to ask me that question eventually. Like he's not because he doesn't know who you are. So you might, you're you going to have to tell him. Yeah. You're going to have to I, tell him about your big story. Like, how are you, Tommy? So anyway, uh, three years ago, I was in this massive act. You know what I mean? Like, you're just going to have yeah. to get it out there. I do. I do feel relieved for the guests when he knows who they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, here we go. That's grand. That's the pressure gone. <laughs> It's just kind of awkward and he doesn't, he's like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> there's, been a, there's been a few where the person has kind of said, oh, oh, this is who I am and this is what I do. And you can see him go, right, okay. And you're like, yeah, he's got nothing. I he's know. got nothing. Like, I know. Oh, God. <laughs> and you can feel the energy. You're like, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting piece of research this week. Thanks so much for all of your input and uh, keep an eye on the socials for next week's question. It's only five eggs per bloke per day. I don't want to talk to you. Then shut them! Go! Calm down, right? You're 19. Shut your face, all right? So, Emma, for our main piece this week, we revert back to an old classic, the tried and trusted true crime drama series. Yeah, I'm hoping listeners aren't wondering, like, have they got two, you know, people addicted to murder here on their hands? (laughs) I think when you look at, like, all the stuff that's on TV, there's a huge percentage of it that is true crime murder and it is often done really well. Yeah, it's what producers like to make, isn't it? So White Hills Farm was on ITV. It was a drama series that was first released in 2019 but it's come back into everybody's consciousness as Netflix released it on their platform earlier this month. So when we were talking earlier in the week you were about halfway through it Mm. and I was thinking maybe we might have had the same feelings on the show. How, how, where did you end up? Yeah, I liked it. It was kind of slow. Like, obviously, okay, so off the bat, this, the first thing that you see on your screen when you click in to watch this is, this is a true story. So obviously we're looking at the production here because things are dramatised and stuff probably happens in the series that didn't happen in real life because you can Google it and find out what happened in real life and it's all very just factual. Um, I thought it was kind of slow. 
I I did like aspects of it, but other bits that I was watching, like the bits with the girlfriend, like the brother's girlfriend, I was like, oh, like I'm sick of horn. I'm just sick of this. Do you know what I mean? And but like you yeah. were saying that you loved it, so I was like, I wouldn't be saying that's a strong word now. Oh, I was I was totally into it. Um, and I didn't I didn't know anything about this story. I didn't look up anything about it. And I don't know what it was that grabbed me, because even when I looked into it, I waited until after I was finished watching it. Because like you said, you know, when you watch these things, you have to be aware. And there is a, a disclaimer or whatever you want to call it that, you know, some of these events have been dramatized or whatever for the purposes of entertainment or, you know, whatever way mm. it's worded. But then um, I looked into lots of parts of it that you may have thought were written just for the show and they were things that did actually happen. I was like, oh, OK. If anything, I became more interested in it. <laughs> yeah, it, wa- it was a mental story. Like it, it was it was kind of a like you just wouldn't believe it. And especially when you, you look at the character's behavior and stuff like that, because obviously I don't want to spoil it because like it's it would be very easy to spoil it just by talking about this. But um, the, yeah, it was just bizarre behavior. I will say, though, after watching it and then looking into it, like looking up all the, the stuff on the Internet after I watched it, it was cast perfectly. Yeah, like down to the features of each actor, they were the image of the real characters. Well, real characters, the real people. Yes. So Jer, uh, Jeremy Bamber, who was played by Freddie Fox, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. And then I, I don't think I'd actually seen him in anything before. And then when I looked into him, I was like, oh, he's from the the Fox family. Like, you know, like all the, the family act. And I was mm. like, oh, OK, yeah, I, I know who he is now. And then like that, when I looked up pictures of the real Jeremy, I was like, oh, my God. I know, image, yeah. And then even the real life uh, Colin, who was the ex-husband of Sheila, he said the casting with um, Jeremy was was completely spot on. Yeah. They got the perfect uh, person. But he felt like his character, he said basically there was other actors he thought could have played him that would have been more like him. But it was kind of explained to him that for the viewer, we need to have enough contrast between Colin and Jeremy for them to yeah. understand the story. So he he was happy enough then with that um, explanation. He was like, OK, like not that he was unhappy with the casting or whatever. But you see, he he was on board with the project from the very start. So I think there had been a woman who had written a book that was all about like the crime side of it. And like mm. he wasn't involved in that. And then he wrote his own book about it in 2015. So lots right. of like he'd been lots of like production companies and people had come to him before. And he said that it just it hadn't felt right, like something had felt off about it or whatever. And then this came along and it was very it was kind of various like coincidence, like, oh, he, he actually knew like to produce, you know, all these kind of connections. Yeah, so he yeah. went through it and he was still really happy with it. Um, and I think he, he spoke about it afterwards 
Um, but he was like, that's that's kind of me done uh, speaking about it. So he's still like, it's still quite raw for him as well. Of course. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. He came across as so forgiven. And I wonder if he was like that in real life. Yeah. Well, I think he said because the way it is at the moment is there was the court case and it's all been proven and whatever. But there's there's been four appeals since um, mm. and all of them have been denied. Yeah. So I don't know whether he's uh, I don't know whether he's forgiving. He, you know, when he said in the show that he didn't take any joy from the conviction. Yeah. But, you know, that there was some peace in um, that there was a conclusion now or whatever. I think that was very much what he said at the time. And he, he does come across in real life as that's his he's that kind of person. He does seem like very calm and subdued and obviously they can't go too much off script because it's a true story um, but the independent only gave it two stars when this horse came out and they were calling it repetitive and boring and too focused on the details it's a murder do you know obviously like it, this mm. is a production based off that story but did you at any point because like I said there was a few bits in it that I was just like oh it's just now I, 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 like I could have looked at my phone now you know just for some of the details yes. and the lead up because obviously it does get laid on quite quick who the murderer is and it, there's not much suspense around that yeah well actually what he what uh, the real life Colin said about it was and he, he he understands why the show was the way it was and he was happy with how it turned out and whatever but he felt that there wasn't enough about uh Jeremy and Sheila's own background. So maybe yeah, it didn't. could have been a case that there was, you know, two or three episodes about their background and then two or three episodes about the crime. Because he said I he thinks that that was actually really important to the story. So they were both... Mm. Um, we only get like tiny little snippets of it, but they, Jeremy and Sheila were both adopted. Mm. And that kind of, there are different stories with their adoptive mothers. He feels really played in heavily to who they were. Right, and okay. So I was like, when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, maybe we needed a bit more of their own background stories. And he said like there had been whispers in the family, which I don't think they spoke about in the show, that the dad was going to change his will and that he was going to report Jeremy for something that was going on. And he said that he he copped on after. So, you know, when they're having the housewarming party and he yeah. invites Jeremy that Jeremy actually didn't know much about his sister's illness and he was actually coming to the party to try and get information out of him. <gasps> right. So I think like some of those details where in the program we got like tiny little snippets. If we had been given a little bit more about their background and what was going on, because I think one of the original books about it it started a couple of the, the book started that weekend when they arrived at the house and that's mm. where the show started. But that book was all, like you said, 
really heavily focusing on the crimes and the details and now I don't think it's gory for people to watch but it really focuses I suppose on the police side of it doesn't it it does like and it, it uh, one thing that really annoyed me and it's it happens in what happened in um what was the other thing we were watching Lupin 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 the lazy police investigations and when people think stuff is so ridiculous that they just kind of brush it off and but the fact that this happened in real life that welch superintendent oh he was doing me head in i was like will you just listen to jones like it was because john like obviously we've seen him in the full monty he's a he's a lovely character there's a lovely presence about him the the main protagonist and then obviously he has like superiors and stuff like that to kind of brush him off, even though his instincts are right. And we have that kind yes. of age old thing where like the policeman has a cracked like in episode one, but everybody just keeps brushing him off, even though like he, we always find oh, out yeah. that they're right. But you actually couldn't write this because it's a true story. Do you know what I mean? I know. And your man, Taff, wasn't it? Like that was the officer who was originally in charge. His Welsh accent was something else, wasn't it? That it was very colourful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was he. <laughs> I think he must have moved around a lot as uh, a child in his formative years because the accent was a bit patchy, um, mm. quite distracting. But I think um, I when they had the meeting in. Um, the station where he got everyone to put up their hand or everyone say if you think like what you what you think yeah. happened and they all start agreeing with um, the other Jones. officer. Yeah. Yeah. And then his the look that he kind of gives then I'm like, I think he he certainly didn't get hired for his Welsh accent. I think he just got hired for that look he throws like right then mm. fuck the laddie is then. Yeah, shit. He yeah. was just so, he was so pissed off. But um, yeah, I I have to say now, I really liked it. But I totally know what you're saying about the character, the the character of the girlfriend Julie, because oh, yeah. you she was just weird and she was stagnant. And like you said about uh, it was another. I think it was about Lupin as well. Um, it was the. The kind of EastEnders stare, you know, just staring. And kind of, like, you knew there was something up, but she was just, yeah. Because I was like, she's nearly like Tracy out of the Queen Vic in EastEnders. Like, she's no lines. For the first three episodes, I don't think she said more than three words. I was like, she's a real easy job as an actress. I know, but you knew, you knew straight away that, because I remember. Ah, that was Dodge, yeah. Yeah, she popped up somewhere and we're watching at home and I just, you know, <laughs> this joke where anytime we're watching a, a true cry thing, like the first person to like itch their nose were like guilty. But like the first time yeah. I saw her, I was just like guilty because she was doing that thing of like looking so shifty. I suppose it's very hard to like pull off that shifty thing when you've no lines to make. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Say, oh, that it's sounded just reaction. shifty because... She doesn't know any of those people, really. Like she, you know, she can probably lie quite convincingly to all those people because she doesn't know them. Like they don't know her cues or like she's 
she's like not telling the truth here, whatever. So like I th- I just felt like, look, the one thing you have to remember is like when we see everyone now, don't sit there and be weird and just stare at them. Just <laughs> act normal. She's like, yeah. OK, I'm, yeah, no, I'm just going to s- sit there and stare at them, actually. Yeah, I'm sorry. But yeah. yeah, she was a bit too shifty from the get go. But then I think they just assumed that everyone knew this. St- everyone knew the story because it was such a big story at the time. There, well, there is that element to it as well, and it's I suppose it's unfair for but me I to say. But I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. So I, no, I need- actually, I would have preferred a little, a little bit more. Uh, suspense or you know I well I was just about to say that I, I don't know whether it's unfair of me to say that because obviously it was such a big high part and obviously in Britain it's probably much more well known I didn't I hadn't heard about it before um, but as you were saying like the real life Colin had said that you know their history played a big part into how they ended up as people and I think I would have enjoyed that more rather than the whole thing of Julie telling the story like the run-up to um the events or whatever I just found all of that very boring and then her like I know she had a huge play part to play in it but like I just didn't want to hear about her and Jeremy's relationship I couldn't have given less of a shit about their relationship he was a, a creep he wasn't even like like I know this is unfair to say as well but you know like when you're watching a murder king it kind of helps when the murderer is hot and he just wasn't (laughs) do you know so I just couldn't have given less of a shit to be honest about their relationship I'd have much rather seen more of Sheila and their relationship growing up because the parents were quite interesting as well like they were so stern and they were so religious and I think that's that whole thing would have made the production of the story a lot more interesting. Yeah, you know, that is a fair point because, <laughs> yeah, again, you're convincing me because in fairness, like, say, if we look at any <laughs> of, like, in the last, like, two years, like, big true crime uh, shows that have been on, like, say, Ted Bundy, you know, everyone want, everyone mm. is interested in the crimes and whatever. But what what really people are interested in is what made what made him tick. How did he end up becoming the person who he was? Like yeah. that's that that's really what people are actually interested in, like his relationships with women or people he worked with or whatever. So, and it. I, I think yeah even it would have been nice to know a little I felt like the character of Sheila was perhaps just a little bit two dimensional because I read then that so she had been on uh, medication had been receiving treatment but her ex-husband felt like her illness was the mother was nearly disguising her illness through Sheila's because he was like, when yeah. she didn't have to go to the farm or she wasn't around her parents, she was a lot better. When she'd have to go mm. back to them and they were kind of getting involved in her life, she that's when she would start having issues and stuff. But he said she had been before that weekend or whatever, she had been away from the farm for a good while and she was actually doing really good. Yeah, so, yeah. There was obviously a lot going on there and um, yeah, I think it just, yeah, in fairness. 
in fairness to you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point. Uh, but listen, I know that every true crime drama is built that way and they were probably just trying to go in a different direction and show it but I mean a bit more of that aspect definitely would have helped because there was one stage where I was like why like you know what his MO is but at the same time you're like well this is just kind of weird this is just kind of come out of nowhere and it's not really explaining like we don't know him enough to like obviously you don't like the murderer when they murder people but you you still feel like you don't really know him you're you're just an outsider watching this and you don't really know why it's going on thanks so much for listening to Telebox again this week and a huge thanks to Jason Byrne for giving us his wonderful history of all things telly as always a huge thank you to our sponsor Just E and Emma I have a bit of news for you oh yeah the shamrock shake is back baby it's my favourite time of year I love it. Remember, you can get a shamrock shake right now, but make sure to get them while they're hot because they'll be gone before you know it. It's true. Bring a bit of Irish pride into your Mac delivery. You can download the Just Eat app today and choose from hundreds of your favourite local takeaway restaurants and get that shamrock shake delivered straight to your door. Thanks again and see you next week on Telebox.